Welcome back to Here's the Deal, everyone. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am talking to Jonathan Goodman. Jonathan Goodman is the founder of the Personal Trainer Development Center and the author of several best-selling books for personal trainers. He also founded the Online Trainer Academy, the industry leader in online trainer education. So this conversation that Jonathan and I have was way more dynamic than I had planned on. Uh, We started out talking about the state of the fitness industry and it went several different directions. Um, I truly loved talking to Jonathan and I'd like to talk to him more, maybe um, over a cocktail or two, just to pick his brain about life in general. But Jonathan has been in the game for a long time and I loved his insight. This is not just for people in the industry. This is for anyone who has a passion for fitness. Um, Really anyone who is listening to this podcast, you're going to get something out of it. We talked about how the pandemic changed things um, for the better. So I love his perspective on that. And then also how nutrition and fitness and our nutrition and our fitness professionals are actually our frontline, like this preventative medicine that we offer you can save you money. And the way that our society views um, training and nutrition versus going to the doctor, we need to look at that perspective. So this is definitely interesting. Like I said, it went a direction that I did not plan on it going to, but I had a lot of fun talking to Jonathan and I hope you have a lot of fun listening. Welcome back to Here's the Deal, everyone. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am talking to Jonathan Goodman, who is the creator of the PTDC, or the Personal Trainer Development Center. He is an author. How many books have you written? Oh, that's a loaded question. How many good books have I written, or how many books have I written? Books in general. They different all question. It's a different question. <laughs> to give my most gloriously Canadian analogy, I've taken a lot of shots at the net. Some of them have gone right in, some of them have hit off the post, and some of them have went right into the stands. Uh, I, I say 11 books. There's been a few more. Um, there's been some like evolutions of books, but, but 11 books that I've, that I've self-published and all of them education for people who work in fitness, one of them general marketing and one of them a textbook. Fantastic. So before we dive into our conversation today, can, can you give us a little bit of background about where you started and mm-hmm. how you got here today? I mean, that's a, yes, I will be very, very quick with this. 15 years old, I was small, I was playing hockey. The other kids started to grow mustaches. That was when they could body check me and I was still small and I figured I needed to lift weights. All of a sudden, like lifting weights way more than playing team sports. And so kept lifting weights, went to school for kinesiology, became a personal trainer, um, figured out that I didn't want to trade dollars for hours for the rest of my life, had to do something else, right? Didn't know what that was. And came across a book in 2008 that uh, introduced the term infopreneuring, basically sell your information, right? In 2008, this was revolutionary. And, uh, and so it, at the center of the universe in that, it said, write a book, you know, write a book about something you know about. And when you do that, all of these other income streams in these worlds open up to you. Right? Again, nowadays, self-publish your book, right? Infopreneuring, like sell your information online, like everybody knows this. This is 2008. Right. And so wrote a book for personal trainers when I was 24 years old for no other reason than I just knew so little about why I shouldn't have written the book. Like I was, I, I call it optimistically ignorant. <laughs> and, and I feel like a lot of the things that hold us back from anything these days is that we know too much about things and we give ourselves too many reasons to not do it. And I'm actually fascinated by this concept of um of optimistic ignorance i i'm i would love to be able to quantify and i figured out some ways to kind of do it but i'd love to be able to quantify and figure out how do we know enough about a topic right that we're going to avoid catastrophic failure and launch in the right direction where more information about that subject is actually going to be to our detriment because it's going to make us second guess it's going to make us dilute our efforts right and how do we protect ourselves against that? To me, that's a really important concept in today's world because it's just too easy to accumulate information and data and there's no competitive advantage from that. And so 
yeah, wrote a book for trainers, started a website for trainers, um, figured out pretty quickly that I didn't know as much as I did, but there's a lot of people who knew a few things. And so I just started to bring them all onto my site to publish on my site. And I started syndicating content in 2011. Um, I think the fancy word for that now is called acting with abundance. But again, this is 2011. Yeah. Didn't exist. You know, like entrepreneurship wasn't cool back then. Yeah. Nobody's parents like bragged that their kid was an entrepreneur, right? right. And uh, the website's, you know, gone on to do well. It's, it's, we've reached 20 million plus people on there, trainers. Uh, and I just kind of kept making it up as I went. You know, I, 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 so everything I've ever done, I've self-published, I've self-funded, I've never taken debt, I've never taken investment, I still own 100% of everything that I do, and um, it's just grown and grown and grown, you know, one project to the next, to the next, to the next, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, I know, if anyone's listening to this, and like, you also are in this space, you, none of us know what we're doing, <laughs> like, when we get in there, we just have to go, and you just go, and that's, because that's how mine has been. You know, I, yeah. I don't know everything, but I know enough to get going. And so tell me about let that. those things hold you back. Yeah. Tell me about that. What's your story? Um, so I had a previous life. Um, I graduated from school with a marketing degree was working in advertising, mm-hmm. hated it. Sunday scaries, you know, felt like I was a fish out of water. I had no clue what I was doing. And I was just mm-hmm. waiting for someone to call me on it. Like I literally had no clue. I still don't know what I did. Right. Um, and I wanted to be a yoga teacher so bad. Like I just, I yearn uh, to be a yoga teacher and I was practicing yoga after right. being injured from overtraining and all this stuff. And, um, I just, I dreamt about it. Right. I dreamt about it. I fantasized about it. I talked to my boyfriend at the time. who's now my husband about it. Talked to my mm. parents about it. Hard stop with them. Like they hated it. Sure. And, um, long story short, once I got married, I got out of advertising, started following my heart, and it's been gangbusters from there. Got into group exercise, then got into nutrition, realized can't trade dollars for donuts. I can't teach those primetime classes because that's when I want to be home with my family, right? The six o'clock class gets all the people, but I'd rather be home with my son. Right. Plus, for fit, you know, this is generous for 40 bucks a class. Like I'm going to miss out on that. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So realizing I can reach hundreds of people, you know, with hardly any time and have an even bigger impact. Like your work, honestly, I wouldn't be able to do what I do if it weren't for people like you. So I'm so grateful for you. That's cool. That's, that's, that's nice of you. I mean, it's true, right? Mm -hmm. It's, I, I, that's kind of the point that I got to. I mean, you asked my story, right? I was 22, 23 years old, owning as much as you can own in the fitness industry conventionally in Toronto, you know, charging $97 an hour yeah. and training 40 clients a week and owning a referral fee for my overload of clients, right? And and I was the senior trainer at my club, hiring, doing mentorship, in-house training. Like there was not anything else that I could do. And I kind of looked around, I was like, is this what my life is going to be like? Like, I'm going to want a family at some point. Like there's, this is cool now that I'm like 22, 23 years old, but eventually I'm going to want to go on a date with somebody who isn't the receptionist at the gym, you know? And that was, you know, that's a whole nother couple different problems that I encountered over the years, (laughs) but they kept hiring cute little Jewish receptionists. Anyway. um, That's how they get the people in there. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. It's bad. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah. So, since you've been <laughs> in this industry for so long, what do you love about the industry right now? Um, the amount of purpose-driven, remarkable, passionate people that are in the industry is, is really incredible. And particularly, this is going to sound weird, so I'll explain it a little bit. But particularly as a result of COVID, I feel like it has improved the quality of people that exist in our industry. And the reason for that is quite simple. Before COVID hit, there was a lot of people who worked in the fitness industry who weren't doing well, but weren't quite doing bad enough to get them to shit and get off the pot and do something with their life. Uh But they didn't particularly care about their job. They were just kind of doing it and it was, you know, it was fine. 
right? COVID hit and it forced a make or break decision, right? As it did for a lot of people, right? It's, it's done that for my business too. And it's done that for a lot of people. It forces a make or break decision, right? The worst position you can ever be in business is doing just okay. Yep. And so it forced them to say, okay, I'm going to take this really seriously. Well, I'm going to get out and I'm going to become a real estate agent or crypto trader, because it seems like every personal trainer that decides not to be a personal trainer becomes a crypto trader or real estate agent. And so, so that's what happened, which to be completely honest to me, both of those things are net positives, right? You know, this, this person is going to be better off in the long term in both ways. They're either going to become much more serious about what they do and and about building a business around what they do, right? Or they're going to leave and find something that is better for them, which is great. At the same time, a lot of people in other jobs, your story is a perfect example of it, who have these Sunday scaries, right? They work in marketing or nursing or pharmacy or a lot of these types of jobs. The people who work in them, fitness wasn't an industry when they were starting their careers, but they've always loved it. And now that they're in their mid thirties or forties or fifties, right? They've seen all of their friends and family members slowly fall into disease, into inactivity. And they've just gained, they become so much more passionate about it. Right. And so, but they don't, they look around the industry and they say, well, I'm not going to do this full time. Like I'm not, but, but they're coming into it part-time. They're figuring out ways that they can contribute to preventative health without the overbearing stress of having to make a business in this industry that unfortunately is very much run by big fitness institution, very greedy organizations who um, largely operate on fear and emotion, taking advantage of people's emotional insecurities. And if you can be a nurse, if you can be a pharmacist, if you can be a lawyer, a marketer, right? and still have a little bit of online fitness or work out in your garage and invite a bunch of your neighbors to come work out with you or whatever it is that you do, you know, that the neighborhood warrior, right. You know, Betty, the, the granola mom who runs the local yoga studio, like hell yes. Right. We're getting more and more and more and more of those people entering the industry because they just give so deep of a shit. And they don't have the pressures of the overbearing, greedy, big fitness institutions beating them down. Yeah. It's, it's really, really neat how that's happening. So, so the industry, if you look at the actual data, the industry is actually going away from full-timers very, very quickly mm-hmm. and becoming sort of a side gigger type industry. Well, it's so amazing. I look at it as a positive. I do too. So, you know, I can't, because of my growth, I can't do it all alone. So I have to have other people who know what they're doing. Well, they all, this is their side gig for them. So they can work their full-time job and then help me on the side. They get to yep. do their passion working with me while having the security of their full-time job. It's a win-win situation. It's a win-win-win. I win, they win, our clients win. It's yep. amazing. Yep. And so that's, that's what's happening. I think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, like, like, like anything with pandemics, with black swan events, you know, it's painful when it happens. Uh, it kind of sucks. But at the end of it, these events, if, if you follow any of Nicholas Nassim Tlaib's work, right, with black swan or anti-fragile, mm-hmm. I, I think his work's brilliant. I think it's prophetic. And, you know, whether you like him or not, he's kind of a, you know, a, an aggressive personality, but his work's certainly prophetic. But, and, and that's one thing you got to learn to do, right? Look past the individual and, 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 and gain the wisdom, but, and I don't really care. I mean, I don't care if he's aggressive or not, but, uh, but some people do, but if you, if you look at his work, right, it's very, very clear. It's like black swan events, like this pandemic that happened, or that's still happening. Their purpose is to make things better. Yep. And it does that by breaking everything that was not very good. There's a lot of people who ran a lot of businesses that quite frankly were pretty shitty for our businesses. Mm-hmm. And the resulting effect now is there's a lot better, more solid, more customer-centric, client-centered businesses. Mm-hmm. 
and there will get to be more, right? Yeah. Um, and that's just, there's, that's just better for everybody. Well, even from our client side, you know, so a lot of my clients, they didn't have to commute to work anymore. So they had more time for themselves, for meal prep, for um, fitness, for whatever, for not doing anything because they couldn't mm -hmm. do anything. So they mm -hmm. were able to realize, okay, I was way, I was doing way too much. And right. I feel so much better. Even though I'm living in a pandemic, I don't have that hour commute. I'm not quite as stressed. And so then when they could go back to their offices, they too had that shit or get off the pot moment of, am I going to go back to that? Right. So we forced them to, to take that action as well. I yeah. love that perspective that you have. Yeah. I talked to my neighbor across the street when I was, when I, when I was in Toronto, we're, we're very close with our, with our neighbors and our local community is really important to us. And our, our neighbor across the street was exactly that. You know, he commuted 45 minutes to and from work every single day. And, uh, and because he doesn't have to commute anymore, he now was an extra hour and a half. He has two young kids. And I just said to him, I was like, what are you going to do when you got to start commuting again to work? He's like, it's like, I don't know. I've like, my routines are different, right? I'm going to lose a big part of my day. What do you do? How do you go back to that? Um, and, and he still hasn't figured it out. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. definitely not going to be going downtown every day again. Yeah. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a major perspective. So let's go the flip side of that. Maybe okay. you already answered it in terms of like this big fitness. What do you dislike about the industry right now? Yeah. I mean, I dislike the fact that the, the tools, the resources and the training for people getting into the industry is not at all what people need to actually succeed in the industry today. It's very outdated. Yeah. You know, that this idea that we're still teaching people rote learning, biomechanics, physiology, anatomy. Um, I mean, the reality of it is a computer algorithm can build a better workout than 98% of personal trainers right now. Yeah. It's just, that's not valuable, right? Mm -hmm. What's valuable is client-centered care leveraging new technologies. Yes. Right. What's valuable is understanding how to market responsibly, respectively, by listening, by um, actually serving your people. What's what's important is time management and productivity. Right. Like these are the things that we need to teach people. Right. We need to teach people more about motivational interviewing, more about how to be a great coach. Yes. And so what's frustrating to me is still the educational institutions that, that manage this thing, which are all owned by multiple levels or at least a, if not multiple levels of private equity and venture capital, quite frankly, don't give a shit about the people they're educating. I mean, I, I can tell you this because, you know, I, I created the only certification that exists for online fitness. I wrote the textbook on it. And so when COVID hit last year in March, my phone rang from just about every major educational body worldwide wanting to either buy us outright or license it or figure out, you know, how to work with us in some way. Cause they were blindsided, right? Yep. They have no curriculum for this thing that they need. And so we went very deep into negotiations with the three top certifications in the world. Mm -hmm. We ended up licensing our program to the second biggest one to ACE, mm -hmm. but, um, but the other two, and I won't name them, but the other yeah. two, you know, we got to the point where there were contracts involved, like, like very deep. And I can tell you right now, I want nothing to do with either of those companies ever again for the rest of my career. No matter what, I will never work with them. Yeah. Because of, A, they tried to stab us in the back multiple times with complicated contracts, um, with, with multiple levels of lawyers. They basically smiled to our face and tried to stab us in the back. And the stuff that they said, the, the head of marketing, you can't make this stuff up. The head of marketing at one of the biggest certification companies literally said to me straight up to my face, the people who do our certification are a little bit stupider. They're not smart enough to do degrees. And so what we do is we build easier and cheaper certifications for people who are a little bit less smart and can't get university degrees. That's our market. The dumb people. We want the dumb ones. We want the dumb ones. And so we market to the dumb ones. That's who right? I want. 
as my trainer. So these are the people educating trainers, yeah. right? And they just don't care, right? They, they're not, they're not going to sell. They, they don't sell. When, when your company is run and owned by private equity or venture capital, mm-hmm. things change, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Priorities change. All of a sudden now you have a responsibility to appease investors every quarter. And as a result, your decision-making matrices completely change. Mm-hmm. And you have to do things to make as much money as you can today. And so what they do is they sell programs, not that trainers actually need to succeed in the field. They sell the programs that the trainers are going to buy the most. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, why do you think none of them sell anything that has to do with business or marketing development? It's because trainers don't buy that stuff a lot. Right. Right. It's, but, and so they'll sell you a fourth certification in MMT, not MMT in, in, in mixed martial arts Mm -hmm. training. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Before they, you know, actually educate you on how to build any kind of a business around what you're doing, because that's what trainers are going to buy. And so this needs to get all broken down. And fortunately, particularly with online fitness, with with decentralization of fitness, with with what's happening right now, baseline certification and accreditation means a lot less than it ever did. Mm -hmm. Um, You can get insurance without it now. Like it just kind of doesn't matter. And these companies, I hope, are going to become increasingly irrelevant and people are going to be able to choose, you know, where they get educated based on what actually makes them successful. Mm-hmm. That's the hope. You know, I mean, this applies too. So we're talking mostly fitness, but this also applies mm-hmm. to like a nutrition. And so let's think of like 100%. a diet company. They truly don't care about the people. They want people to keep coming back and keep spending their money, whether it's a Weight Watchers or a Nutrisystem or anything not giving them the tools to actually succeed on their own. Mm-hmm. It's the, the overlap. I mean, I guess it's not surprising, but I hope consumers are listening to this and saying, okay, now I'm starting to see what I need to be looking for. I need the process. Right. Like the consumer needs the process. The trainer needs the process. And, you know, to your point as well, these trainers don't need another certification. <laughs> like right. they, I mean, in terms of how to do this, like, you know, like you said, a mixed martial arts certification. They need to know. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you, if you like mixed martial arts, great. Right. Great. Read a book, enjoy it, go train with it. You don't need to take a certification from a company that's just jumping on a trend, right? Right. Um, well, and the smartest people don't make the best trainers. It's the people who can connect. It's about yeah. connection. You're in the business for the people. That's yeah. the way I look at it. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's another, that's another interesting point. I think Kylie, like, like the industry is also adapting to um, adapting to leverage technology and also like different types of humans. And if you think about, you know, the type of personality, the type of person that actually makes for a successful trainer on the floor, mm-hmm. it kind of doesn't exist in a single human, right? You, you need somebody who's um, inspirational, energetic, uh, really well-educated, kind of a science geek, but also entrepreneurial and good at marketing and empathetic. That's kind of not one person, you know? It may be like occasionally it is, but you certainly can't, a a lot of the time when you see a successful trainer who, you know, starts a little gym or studio by themselves and they become successful, it's because they're the kind of rare breed that's all of those things. Mm -hmm. And then they can't ever grow because they can't ever find anybody like them. Exactly. You get trapped. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what a lot of what what I think is really interesting, right? And where I think this is all going is people are going to start to work in their unique abilities a lot more. Right. So I, I told you like like I use the example of Betty, the granola mother, you know, teacher. So 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 okay, so Betty runs a yoga studio in Oregon in a small town, right? And Betty is not actually that great of a yoga teacher. Okay. She went to teacher training in Costa Rica one weekend. And, but she's super inspirational and she has a great community locally and she can get people, get up and moving. Fantastic. Betty's a champion. Betty should not be the one building the classes. No. What Betty needs to do is Betty needs to license material from Patrick. Patrick is a lifelong yoga learner. And he's one of these just insane dudes who just knows how the body moves inside and out and is an incredible teacher. Mm 
right? Patrick now teaches one class and Betty's all around the United States have a screen at the top of their studio. And Patrick is the one teaching the class and Betty is the one facilitating it. That's the kind of thing that I think will start to happen a lot more is you're going to have personality driven instruction from the top and then local facilitators. I love that. And you're right. Um, because I've worked for the most brilliant instructors and mm-hmm. the people that are so good at what they do, but those are not necessarily the best business owners no. either. Just because nope. you're a great yoga teacher doesn't mean you know how to run a business, no. just like you talked about and vice versa. There's often, there's often somebody behind the scenes when you see that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, in it, it's, it's interesting in the fitness world, like there's almost always somebody behind the scenes and these big brands, you know, whole 30, Melissa is, you know, the face super brilliant, right? She built that along with now her Mm ex-husband, but she's actually the business mind and she's kind of a rare breed, but he kind of facilitated it. A lot of the time you have a husband or wife who's the marketer, right? Who's quiet behind the scenes. And then you have the front face who's the other piece of it, who's basically the public figure. Um, Because you can't do it all. I mean, you see this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see this all over the place, right? You see all of these, all of these influencers and you're like, okay, well, you're influencing me, but what the heck do you do? Right. You have no business other than some low end membership site, right. Where you're feeding people the same workouts they can get anywhere for 10 or 20 bucks a month. And you've got zero ability to sell anybody, anything other than on fear and emotion, right? Basically supplements are like low end workouts that you hope to get people to stay in your membership for two or three or four months. But because it's content creation, somebody who's a great content creator Mm -hmm. is very rarely somebody who's a really good business person. Mm -hmm. And somebody who's a great content creator is also very rarely somebody who's actually somebody who can, play the long game and build something really tangibly valuable because content creation kind of forces you to build a lot of stuff really, really quickly that you put out into the world versus working on one really great thing, right? Could be, could be an an intellectual property asset, could be a business, right? But, but they're kind of different mindsets, if that makes sense. Oh, they're totally different mindsets. And and like you said, even if there is that unicorn out there that is doing all the things, you can't do them all. No. Like no I time. love content creation. I love marketing. That's my favorite part of my business. But that means, I mean, I'm running the business. I don't have time to meet with clients anymore. I'm right. running a business. Right. So that's why I have to have the team, like you're just talking about, that can do those things. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you could, like, it's not saying that you can't do it. Right. Right. How many it's hours a day do you want to work? I mean. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. How many hours a day do you want to work? And even then, I mean, how do you possibly know, you know, how to, how to manage those hours and, and, and prioritize those hours? So, so yeah, I mean, you, you see this all over the place, right? Look at your favorite Instagrammer and then look at what they actually tangibly do other than create content. Yeah. And you're like, there's actually basically nothing going on here. Right. Well, Other than somebody like making really fun videos and like uh-huh. repeating the same general philosophy over and over and over again, like, like you basically these accounts, mine included, basically have five to 10 messages that they just repeat over and over again, different ways. Yep. It's so true. And we'll have to circle back to that because that is another answer to another question. But (laughs) since you use the word influencer, (laughs) I want to talk about the difference between an influence, fitness influencer and a fitness professional. Uh, I mean, they could be the same, the same type of person for sure. I don't think that they're necessarily different. Um, I mean, the word influencer has kind of been bastardized. It kind of doesn't mean anything. It's like metabolic. It's like functional. It's just kind of like, yes, totally. It kind of just means nothing, right? Like at one point it it technically meant something, but it kind of means nothing. And to me, the only way that I want to influence is to lead by example. Yes. Um, I want to show that you can build a big platform by listening to people, by respecting people, by acting with abundance and supporting other good people and not competing. 
I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to influence this. I don't want to show this by saying, hey, look at, you know, this beautiful life that I live because it's not about me. Right. It's about the purpose. It's about the community. It's about, and so I believe that the solution to a lot of the problems is to bring the good people of the fitness industry together. 100%. I, yep. be- I believe that there are a tremendous amount of really good people in the fitness industry. Yes. And they're all struggling because they don't really have a central place. They don't really have a central voice. The fitness industry, in particular, its lobby is very, very weak. Um, that's in large part why, as a result of COVID, fitness is considered non-essential. Um, it's because the fitness industry's lobby was so weak. And that's done forever damage yeah. to the industry, right? Contrast that with chiropractic, mm-hmm. which is, I have nothing against, I love my chiropractor. I have nothing against chiropractor, but it's a good contrast. Um, chiropractic has historically had a very strong lobby. Chiropractic was opened up in stage two, oh. right? They were allowed to operate. And that's just because they have a strong lobby. As a result now, think about the downstream effects, right? COVID was the precedent center, mm-hmm. right? Once a once a, a industry is deemed essential or non-essential, you're not losing that tag. As a result now, lenders, property leasers, all have precedent to give worse rates to non-essential businesses or choose against them. I didn't right? even think about that. It's a serious problem. Yeah. It's going to be harder and more expensive to get a loan to open up a fitness business. Yeah because it's non-essential. That's never going away, right? The fitness industry, big fitness failed the people who worked in it because it has a very weak, limp lobby. Mm -hmm. The only way that we can all succeed together is by coming together. Yeah. Because what we do is the most important thing is the noblest profession is preventative healthcare. The problem is preventative anything is largely not rewarded. Yeah. The, the famous thought experiment about this, this is Nassim Tlaib again, actually. I don't know why we keep going back to his work, but his thought experiment is, you know, imagine if uh, September 10th, 2001, somebody who worked at the International Aviation Association were to go to the head office and say, guys, there is an imminent threat. Somebody is going to fly planes into a whole bunch of landmarks across the United States. It's going to kill a lot of people. He's going to throw our country into a depression and it's going to cause all of these problems. And in order to solve it, we need to tighten up security and we need to bolt all of the pilot's doors. First of all, that guy probably would have been fired and laughed at. Yeah. Right. But if he were to be listened to, he would have staved off what many consider the greatest modern disaster in the United States. Now, you could argue that, um, you know, whether whether it is or not, but many consider it that, right? And it had a lot of really nasty downstream effects. But the reactive professionals, right, the firefighters, the police officers, the first responders, quite justifiably so, rightfully so, are heroes, right? Yes. Because they came in after the fact and they made things better. The fitness industry is the same, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fitness and health professionals make it so you never have to go to the hospital. Yeah. I haven't seen a doctor in 12 years. <laughs> you and me, buddy. Right. Like I'm good. Yep. Good. I pay a ton of money to the Canadian healthcare system so that people who don't take care of themselves can get care. Yep. And I don't mind it. I mean, I, you know, I think that that's great. I love the Canadian healthcare system, but, but if you think about, you know, the service that, health and fitness professionals provide, right? Unquestionably preventative health. Nobody will argue this. Preventative health is way more valuable by every metric, quality of life and financial than reactive care. Not downplaying the role of doctors, physiotherapists and stuff, but the reality of it is we shouldn't need them as much as we do. Agreed. And so that's a really hard stumbling block to get over. It is. Right? How do you make it, how do you create a, how do you create a situation whereby preventative care practitioners are rewarded the same as reactive care or more? Because the reality of it is 
they save the healthcare system way more money. It's way more valuable. How can we tell people this? We just have to keep talking about it. I think so. I think that we need to, I think we all need to get better marketing. Yes. I think we all need to listen more to people and not let our egos drive us and pump our chests on the internet and say, look at me, look at me, look at me, because it's not about you. It's about the people you serve. 100%. We are so in alignment. (laughs) This makes me think of, uh, you know, so my background, I don't have a personal training background. I have a group Mm -hmm. exercise background. But I think about group, like group exercise classes as a dying thing. And like the group exercise teacher being a dying breed, Mm -hmm. which to me is also pretty sad. Granted, I don't believe in group exercise quite so much anymore. I believe in strength training and all of this, but. Group exercise could be strength training. It could be. But I think about the people who've had the biggest influence in my life. And some of them were group exercise instructors who inspired me. And when I was younger, like were mentors to me. Mm -hmm. They were getting paid 25 bucks a class. But to me, they were the most important person in the world. Yeah. And I know that like when I was teaching, I'm sure I had that sort of impact on some other people, but to your point, like they aren't valued. These preventative people aren't valued the way that they, they should be. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I think, I think there's something to be said about identifying and rewarding neighborhood health warriors. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you, I'll tell you an example of that my, my wife, Allison, um, you know, we have, we have a garage with just a very basic workout equipment, like literally like a bench and some adjustable dumbbells and a bunch of bands. And I get, I get sent, I mean, anytime that I say yes, I get sent a whole bunch of equipment. So we've got just some kind of like random stuff that yeah. a lot of, a lot of inventors, basically inventors of equipment and people that have patents on, on particularly in-home type equipment often send it to me or we get on a call and talk about it. And so I get sent a lot of the stuff. So I've got a bunch of wacky stuff, but, um, but the point is Allison worked out in the garage right when we're in toronto she works out in a garage with the door open at seven in the morning and um at the park she invited one of our neighbors one of our neighbors just happens to be the neighbor that is friends with everybody and talks to everybody now allison there's a group of seven to ten women who are on a text message list and it's a one-way communication list right where allison just says tuesday morning i'm working out show up if you want to show up. Like, you don't need to tell me, like, there's no guilt if you don't show up. Like, if you feel like showing up, we'll be there. Whoever shows up at seven in the morning, they figure out a workout that morning and they just, they have fun. It's a social, you know, like, like they get together and be social around movement versus, you know, Mai Tais and Margaritas. Exactly, yeah. And it's all different levels, mm-hmm. right? All over the place. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're just having fun. They're laughing. It's first thing in the morning. They're getting their day going in our garage two of these women fired their personal trainers because they wanted to come. I mean, Alice just, just like Allison was a personal trainer. I mean, she's not charging anything, but, right, she was, right. but th- she's making it up on the spot, right? Like this yeah. is not like programming, but it just shows you like how valuable something like that is in a neighborhood. And also interesting, Allison could fill a personal training clientele overnight with one text message. Yeah. Because of what she's doing in the neighborhood. You don't need an Instagram account, you know, no. to, to, to fill a personal training clientele. No. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a really, I, I think, and I got to do something with this at one point, I don't even know how, but I think there's some way, there's got to be some way to identify and celebrate neighborhood fitness heroes. Because to me, they actually have the ability to impact and do more good than gyms, than online fitness influencers, because you've got at least one in every neighborhood. I mean, every single person listening to this can probably think of that one woman or man in their neighborhood who, if you ask them, would be happier than the pig and shit to bring you into their basement and do a workout with you. Yes. And also- If you have a business, you want those people. I have a client. I'm going to give her a shout out. Stacey Scalfaro, the best client I ever could have got because right. she's in education and she is that neighborhood hero. Stacy does it and loves it. Everyone's going to know about it. She mm-hmm. has been my best referral for the last four years, like, ref- like referee. 
And she is that woman. She just gets the people together and gets them to do it. Like she needs this award whenever we get it figured out. Yeah. She's getting the video, one of the awards for the Midwest. I gotta, I gotta figure out how to, I gotta figure out how to do this and how to create a movement behind it. And I don't, I don't know exactly how, um, because by definition, this, these are not people who are like all of these women that are that do this with Allison are not social media people, yeah. right? No. Um, and so, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know how you would like. You want to get into all the nooks and crannies of all the little neighborhoods and stuff, but. Holy crap. I mean, that's, that's where the power is, right? That's where the, that's, that's why I want to bring the good people of the fitness industry together. Because to me, that all of those little pieces together are what's going to make a change. Because really the end of the day, you just need people to move a little bit more. Right. And I do feel that there is a shift. I mean, I feel like you have more perspective on it than maybe I do, but I feel with the connections that I make with people, I'm like, okay, she's got a good voice and he's got a good voice. And like, we're doing this thing together. I mean, there's still this big company over here with all the money, but we're small but mighty. We're going to keep saying our words. Yeah. Um, What was my other question going to be about this? Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) So you mentioned we're all saying the same five things. We've got five things that we say on repeat. I mean, guilty. Um, But that's because that's all people need to know. I mean, so what are some of the people overthink this all the time, but let's say I'm new to the game and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Where do I start? What do you tell someone like me? Not in terms of business, but as a general population, I need to get healthy. Say that question again. So I'm brand new. Let's say I'm kind of out of shape. I don't know where to start. I'm being marketed all these things, but I come to you because you're the voice of reason. What are like these five basic things, or maybe there's four or six, what are the basics that I need to start doing? What are the Mm. most important things in terms of fitness and nutrition? Right. Um, Don't take it too seriously. Don't feel like you need to have it all figured out before you move. Because the most important thing is that you, you, you figure out, you figure out how to move. I mean, even if it's going for a walk, right? It makes the next, every step you take makes the next step a little bit easier. And, um, and you're never going to figure out what's right for you. Like there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can work out and lift weights or whatever, right? You have no idea what's right for you until you kind of try a bunch of things and what you enjoy and something that might be technically better than something else isn't actually better for you if you don't enjoy it as much. Yeah. And so trying a whole bunch of different things, you know, but starting slow, starting with just walking, um, and then just figuring out like the 80 20s of these things. I mean, we joked about it before, like the body hasn't meaningfully changed in the last thousand years. Right. No 21 year old IG fit kid has figured out anything that's worth knowing. <laughs> it just, it just, it's just not, it's just not a thing. No. Right. <laughs> the, the body, you know, the, the bicep flexes and, and, and supinates, you know, like muscles have one or two or maybe three movements. That's literally all they do. Right. And so there's nothing new, you know, you don't have to jump on one leg and twist and then do a boopy and then whatever, like that shit's just dumb for the most part. Now, if you enjoy it and it's fun for you, totally different by all means, do it, enjoy it. Right. But don't do it because you think it's better because, you know, Booty Band Betty on the internet, you know, decides that throwing a booty band on for literally no reason to every exercise has anything to do with the fact that she's a Latina woman in Miami and has a huge ass. And so, you know, it just, and by the way, she sells booty bands. What a surprise. Like, (laughs) look at a picture of her when she was 14. She had the same ass. Like, and so it just doesn't it's don't look at that stuff like it matters yeah. that much understand the basics of the best fat loss workout the, the body always trends towards efficiency mm-hmm. and anything that's inefficient is going to burn more resources than anything that's efficient this is a bit of a generalization but it's true if you do something that you suck at it's a good fat 
burning exercise because you're inefficient in that movement. So there's this big argument, you know, is, is running is cardio good for fat burning? It's like running is really good for fat burning if you're shitty at running. Right. Once you become good at running, running becomes a terrible fat burning exercise. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it doesn't have value, yeah. but it means it's not a good fat burning exercise. Mm-hmm. Strength training works on very, very basic principles of adaptation, right? Specificity and progressive overload. Basically meaning your body gets stronger if it does the same thing a little bit harder time and time again. That's it. That's how it works. Variation is actually number four in terms of priorities on the principles of adaptation, which effectively means that you can reasonably ignore it in just about every circumstance. Now, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that variation isn't fun. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's not fun to play around with new movements. But if your primary goal is to get results from your exercise, variation has, an exercise has nothing to do with it. There are a lot of different ways that you can adapt and progress an exercise. You can change the handle. You can change the grip. You can change the time under tension. You can change the stance. You can change the stability challenge. You can change the number of reps. You can change the number of sets. You can decrease or increase the amount of rest. You can change the order of the exercises. All of these are variables that you can play with to increase the challenge or decrease the challenge of a workout that are going to lead you to get better results than changing the exercise. And so if you understand those basic principles... It's actually, I mean, it sounds complicated because I used a lot of examples, but the reality of it is, if you understand those basic principles, it's actually pretty basic. You know, you, you, you squat or you bend over, you push or you pull, horizontal and vertical, you anti-rotate. The main function of the abs is not to curl, is not to rotate. It's actually to resist rotation or resist flexion. All you got to do is stand up and lean backwards. You'll feel your abs kick in harder than you ever will if you crunch, right? You need to- and so if you, if you understand these things, right, you just got to make sure that you, that you build in those movements, pick whatever, you know, you enjoy best in those and just keep doing harder and harder versions of them, um, basically forever. It's not sexy for Instagram. But I love of, it. Uh, you it know, and since nutrition is more my lane, Mm-hmm. The same thing applies with nutrition. People just, they want to make it complicated and think that there's these strategies. Sure. No strategy. <laughs> yep. Eat the protein, yep. eat your vegetables, have some healthy fats, go You're for good. walks, lift your weights, bam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, nutrition gets a little bit more complicated if there's, if, if there's intolerances, right? If there's allergies, sure, um, yeah. if there's particularly cultural preferences. Mm-hmm. A big problem with, with, a lot of, you know, nutritionists on the internet or people who give nutrition advice on the internet is it's very like white, you know, North American centric. It's like chicken and rice is not an option for a Muslim woman who's, you know, entering a, a period where she's going to have a lot of family events, for example. Um, so, so that's happening, right? Um, which, which I think is just important to know. But you're right. I mean, there's three macronutrients. <laughs> Exactly. Right. <laughs> you want to, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> like, like you want to have, you want to have a lot of lean protein. You want to have a lot of vegetables. You want to have a fair amount of healthy fats, and then you want to limit your your carbohydrates generally to periods of exercise, and you want to have high quality carbs. Yep. That's kind of it. Like, like if you do all of that, you're pretty Just good. As you get it. older, eat fiber. Yeah. Like. Like if you're having trouble going, you know, eat some more fiber. Like that's kind of it, right? Um, And, but it's the habits. I mean, you're, you know, you've got, you've got the PN1 and the PN2. I don't need to tell you this, right? It's, it's the behavior change. It's the habits. Um, For some reason, people like us, this is what blows my mind. For some reason, people who exercise in some way every day, and don't eat complete and utter shit all the time are considered weird. You were talking about this on your social the other day and I was like, praise hands. Yes. Like what? I mean, 
I, I laugh so hard at, you know, there's the 75 hard challenge oh, going yes. around. And I laugh so hard at that because I'm just, I just, I just looked at it and I'm just like, I'm trying to think of a day where I didn't do those things. Right. Like, why is that so weird and so hard? Like, how is, how have we gotten to the point? I mean, alcohol is a little bit different. Like I went out with a couple of buddies last night and we drank some tequila. Like, that's fine. Like, you know, yeah. I live in Mexico. That's what happens. But, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's weird that moving your body a little bit, reading 10 pages in a book and eating vegetables is like considered weird and like you're the weird one in your family. It is. And I don't worry about it for me because I know who I am and people know who I am. I worry about that for my clients who are out Mm -hmm. then with their families at Thanksgiving, who are out at lunch with their coworkers and then have to deal with the fucking comments that come with it. You know, I agree. It's, it's, it's so sad. (laughs) Right. So how do you, how do you, how do you work with your people? I, I teach them, them I, I try and empower them and say, you know, what's right for you. You deserve to feel the best that you want to feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always say, you know, their comments have nothing to do with you. And it's all about how it makes them feel. Right. But I still understand that it's hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm big on empowerment, you know, education, empowerment. So the, the more they know about nutrition and how their body works, I, I feel the more, um, inclined they are to make the good decisions in whatever situation they find themselves in right you're helping them you're helping them build some armor yeah Mm -hmm. that's cool and then also understanding you know your circle sometimes we don't have control who's in our circle but understanding that the people around you can make things easier or they can create more resistance (laughs) so you know all Mm -hmm. my friends are like me big surprise Mm -hmm. sure (laughs) now was that is that because those are the people that you trended towards or is that your influence on the people that you surround? Great question. I would say in terms of friends, it's just the people that I'm drawn to, but mm-hmm. when it comes to family, I've had that influence. So like sure. Thanksgiving, um, I feel that I've like changed my in-laws a little bit in a, huh. in a good way, like influence right. them to, be conscientious mm-hmm. of what's on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, it started out, well, Kylie's coming. We better have something grilled as right. to like, this is what we like to eat. This is what we should be eating. Or I hate to use mm-hmm. the word should, but you know, all those words are tricky when it comes to nutrition because you don't want to be too tight diet culture. I know, <laughs> I know. That's a whole nother, we can, we can do a follow-up where I ask you a whole bunch of questions about that because I think a lot of it, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on a lot of that stuff. I think a lot of it is just people who just are kind of figuring out, you know, new things to say because they have kind of run out of things to say. And I think, I think it, I think a lot of that kind of stuff perhaps matters a lot less, but it, it, it's the type of thing that gains traction on social media. And so, you know, it's blown out of proportion and just how important it actually is. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I just, there's a lot of, like, I totally respect and am for respecting other people, but I don't know. It just seems to be going a little bit too far <laughs> sometimes. I, mean, I'll say this. I feel like people are way too sensitive about yeah. when I, you know, when you're talking about diet and exercise and body changes, mm-hmm. like it's okay if Barb wants to have a six pack. That's okay. Right. She can have a six pack if she wants. Don't put your limiting beliefs on Barb. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's Barb, like, uh, hell, all the power to her, you know? Yeah. She but started again, out, like, can you, you remember when she was married to Jerry? Like, that was a bad time, right? Yes. It was a bad time. And she went on that vacation with him once. They went to the Mayan Riviera to that all-inclusive. Oh, Barb and Jerry. Glad that she got out of that relationship. Seriously. Jerry got fat. <laughs> well, I mean, they were just a bad influence on each other, you know? They weren't particularly happy with each other. They got married young. They were, you know, they were, they were crazy kids. They, they needed to get out of their household. And, um, and so they got married because that was the only respectful way to do it. And, you know, Jerry and Bob just weren't that good of a match, but they held on because they thought that that was supposed to, that's what they were supposed to do. And they perhaps held on a little bit too long and I'm just glad that Bob found her way. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> 
everybody's the same. Oh my gosh. Well, my last thing I want to ask you about, um, I, I love the belief that there will always be a place for in-person training, even as this, you know, as more and more people are moving online and I think online training is great. I mean, that's my business, right? Mm-hmm. but I still always think there is going to be a place for in-person personal training. What's your thought on the future of in-person? Yeah. I don't give a shit about online training. I never did. Yeah. Um, and I'm, this is coming for anybody listening from the guy who quite literally wrote the textbook on it. Literally. Um, no, like, like actually wrote the, wrote the only textbook that exists on it. Um, I don't care about online training. I never did. Um, I still don't. At, I, I, the all that I was trying to do, all that I'm still trying to do is solve the biggest problem in the fitness industry, which is the people who work in it need to figure out a way to earn a little bit more in a bit less time with a bit better schedule so that they can help more people move. Yep. And I think that um, in an increasingly impersonal world, I think that there's more space for personal connection. I think that the future of the fitness industry and the, the whole idea of what we're talking about with the redefinition of the roles of the trainer is that there's going to be a lot more coaches, a lot less trainers, a lot more coaches. And these coaches have to know how to leverage technology because there's this misconception that technology eliminates humans. That's not true. Technology optimizes humans when it's used properly. And so, you know, technology takes care of all of the rote tasks that humans are not good at, Right to allow humans to show up in greater capacities. A lot of trainers are now stuck into this repetitive state where they're basically just doing data entry for the rest of their days, right? Where they're, um, where they're responding to the same email over and over and over again. They're not actually spending much time or mental energy helping people because they're doing all of this repetitive junk and data entry and stuff that quite honestly, technology can do better. And so as more trainers begin to learn how to leverage technology better, trainers will be able to show up as humans more and the trainers who acquire those skills to leverage that technology and also the human skills are the trainers that are going to thrive. And I'm looking forward to that. And, and the reason I say it too is, you know, we offer online workouts and we'll have people submit videos. Mm -hmm. And like you need, a lot of people need eyes and hands on them to help them move properly and, it's not the same. Will help you do that. It's not the same. And a true expert can take one look at you and know exactly what's going on. I, I had this experience a couple of days ago in the gym. There's there's a friend of mine who sometimes will will come to the gym at like seven in the morning with me here in Mexico because the gym opens at seven or eight. I'm like awake <laughs> reading a book waiting for the gym to open. That's just Mexico. Like coffee shops open at nine, right? But um, but you know, so we were in the gym and he was deadlifting and he was doing it with proper form, but it wasn't proper form for him. And I could take, I took one look at him and I said, you've got a tight ass tabulum. Just somebody who really knows what they're doing and knows what to look for. Doesn't even really know often exactly why things are happening. Right. I take one look at him. It's like, that's not right. Like, like you're hinging at the bottom, right? Your form's technically right. Like if you looked at a video, your form is right. But those two bodies are the same. And so, you know, I could take one look at him and I was basically like, I didn't even know why at the beginning. I just took a look at him. I was like, all right, turn your feet out, grab the bar inside right here, twist the bar up, crank on your lats, right? Squeeze the hell out of the thing. Boom. Right. All of a sudden now he's cranking this thing. He could put more weight on it. He's feeling great. And then, you know, I, I basically played back the scene in my head and it's like, okay, well, here's what was going on. Then that was going on. Then that was going on. Then that was going on. That's what an expert is able to do. I mean, that's just, that's just me as a result of just training 40 clients a week for years and years and years and years and years and just watching people move and deadlift and dealing with hips and shoulders and backs and everything like client with deformed arm, a, you know, kid getting ready for the NHL draft an Olympic gymnast, like all over the place, like all these different types of bodies, like you ain't doing a deadlift the same way. Yeah. Um, that's the, that's, that's the problem with a lot of this kind of stuff. It, it's so amazing. I, I think that's a gift. I mean, of course, you know, you put the 10,000 hours in probably even more than that for you. <laughs> so you are, I don't the, know. I think yeah, it's so awesome. Mm-hmm. 
I want people like you to watch me. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> well, but it's it's kind of fun. It's it's interesting, right? Like, uh, you know, I was I was a trainer for a lot of years, and then I started a business, and I never wanted to not be a trainer. Yeah, right. Um, but business started to do what business does, um, yeah. and and what's interesting is I got away from the thing and. You know, Allison asked me, women are always way smarter than men. Um, and Allison asked me, you know, a, a question when, you know, last year, this, this past year, basically, pandemic hit, we had a great year. Um, and then everybody and their mom started putting out an education program yeah. for online fitness. Every Instagram was more than a thousand followers all of a sudden became an expert in this, right? right. Teaching other experts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, demand kept up and supply grew exponentially. And then demand went back down to normal in the middle of the year when gyms started opening back up. And all of a sudden there was just all the supply in the market. Right. And, um, and Allison asked me, you know, when, when things started to start to go south, she's like, let me ask you if, you know, if you didn't ever have to work again for the rest of your life, right. What would you do? And the reality of it is I kind of looked at her and I was like, well, the truth is I kind of don't ever have to work again for the rest of my life now, but I do but I don't really have to. And I just looked at her and I kind of, I was surprised at what happened because something triggered in me. And I just looked at her. I was like, I'd be a personal trainer. Like there's something about that job and that human connection that fills me up. And I still think, you know, I still think I'm going to go back to it at some point. I love it. Like, I don't see any reason why I won't open up it you know, a little gym in Toronto and just train a couple hours a day. Like, it's fun. Love it. It's not about the money. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Well, we covered a lot. What's next for you? I feel like you have a new app coming out. Yeah, we've got software. Um, Basically, uh, I mean, a whole company's changing um, to the point where, I mean, I let go of all of our senior staff couple weeks ago, um, just because they weren't the right people for the new direction that we're going, the great people just weren't the right people for the new direction that we're going. Um, I am, I've, I've given myself space for the next year. My only goal is personal brand and platform and building the community. And so, uh, you know, my personal Instagram page is, is the first step of that, but there's a lot of things coming down the pipeline with that doing podcasts like this. It's part of that. And, and meeting awesome people and going deeper with awesome people like you as part of that, right? And um, and on the back end of that, we have we have three things that are all being run as different businesses. Basically, I own them all, but we have people running them all. And so there's a digital learning platform um, that is giving fitness and health enthusiasts the skills that they should have learned from their certification. Yeah. And so the first three courses that we're putting out there is marketing fundamentals in the 21st century, is client care, leveraging new technologies, and is time management and productivity. And so doing that, we have um, a high-end mentorship for people who, you know, are doing well and want to just take it to the next level um, and, and build a new business. And then, yeah, there's a free, there's a free software tool that we've put together that's, that's really, really cool for fitness and health professionals, not nutrition, uh, but fitness and health professionals. And um, we just put the wait list yesterday uh which is which is cool so we've got just under 2,000 people 1970 1980 people on the wait list for that already which is cool um so that'll come out in about two months um and that's just going to be something that just again fitness and health enthusiasts need the tools and the resources and the education to do a better job and paying for paying a lot of money for bloated software that they don't need isn't helping and so we produce free software that they can use to allow them to be more efficient and professional in their job. And, um, and it's free. It's a gift, right? Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. Everyone, make sure you are following Jonathan Goodman on Instagram at it's coach Goodman. There you go. And where else do we find you anywhere else that you want us That's to all. go? Come find me there. I love That's it. The priority. Um, I tell you from my perspective, I love seeing your evolution because I think we all, we all are meant to keep evolving. So it's really cool to see what someone who is ahead of me is doing. So thanks for inspiring me. And thanks for leading. Personal brand. Personal brand is everything. Yeah. 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 It's people buy from people. Increasingly people are going to buy from people. People are going to look to people for support, right? Not 
big brands, not corporations. Beachbody ain't helping you. <laughs> Beachbody ain't helping you, but Beachbody is smart, right? Beachbody basically built a model years back where they said, we can get all of these people to build their own businesses under our umbrella. That's brilliant. And we're going to provide them the product. So Beachbody is going to do fine, actually. Oh, Beachbody yeah. is, going to do, is going to thrive and continue to thrive. Um, but, but there's a lot of companies that are seriously hurting because the, what got them to be successful was largely a personal brand. And then they sold to a venture capital private equity firm. And they lost all personality, all emotion out of what they did. And they're basically just having to squeak out as many pennies as they can from their customers in order to appease their investors. And, um, and their company is just going downhill fast. This is happening a lot. So some of the companies, you know, well, hopefully we won't get caught in that. I'm not getting caught in that trap. No, you're fine. I'm fine. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. Um, good luck with everything that you have going on. And I can't wait to like, be one of those soldiers on the ground with you getting this good word out there. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kylie. This was fun. You bet. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening to Here's the Deal. I hope you love this episode as much as I did. Make sure that you share this episode with your friends or anyone who might be interested in learning more about the state of the current fitness and nutrition industry. We'll talk to you next time.